Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go! What's up, everybody? Welcome to Bingetown TV. This is Brian here with producer Dave. And today we're going to be covering Disney Plus's juggernaut show, The Mandalorian. This is going to be season three, episode five, chapter 21, entitled The Pirate. And before we get going, I do want to reroute you over to BingetownTV.com. If you liked what you hear on this episode, we do cover a bunch of other different shows. They can all be found on bingetowntv.com we're pushing like 400 episodes at this point so go over there and check it out it's all conveniently wrapped in one nice little website uh but yeah to address the elephant in the room we are down a man with paul um and i do want to preface this entire episode with one of our schedules uh at actual work got flipped upside down so We've kind of been dropping these episodes a little sporadically. Unfortunately, that will continue. We try to get them uh, produced and out to you as quickly as we can. But uh, I was also on vacation this weekend, so it's even a little bit later than usual. Uh, so they are going to continue to be sporadic, but we're going to do our best to get them out to you as soon as possible. But yes, without further ado, Chapter 21, The Pirate. They should have just called it The Pirate King, Gorian Shard, because... It was very nice for him to make his return. He was taken from us far too soon, but he just stole every scene that he was in. Aside from that, I I think I'm tempted to say this was my favorite episode so far of the, se- I was, of the I, season. I'm not going to disagree with you. I won't say it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to agree completely, but you, those feelings, I will validate them for you. This was, was a phenomenal episode. Excellent. I, I love to hear you say that. It is on IMDb at an 8.5. Episode two was an 8.4. Those are the top mm. dogs so far ratings wise uh, of the season. So it seems like they're leveling out about the same, which sounds about right. I did say I was only tempted um, and that would be my <laughs> other favorite episode, of course. But yeah, aside, I, I love the whole vibe. They really leaned into like the pirate aesthetics and they made this guy, Pirate King Gorian Shard, way over the top pirate ask. He looks like a seaweed ha- Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I hate that he is the title of Pirate King because that title only belongs to Monkey D. Luffy and this guy does not compare to Monkey D. Luffy. So, True but that. no, I mean, even though this episode was a lot of action and maybe wasn't like a heavy story episode necessarily until the very end for some reason man this episode really just i fucking loved watching it i think the shots of like the mandalorians coming out of the sky we get 
we see a lot of our hometown favorite characters here. We like Grief Karga continues to be the man. Carson makes a return who continues to be the man. Fantastic um, character. Paz Vizla now has become the man for me after his speech. Like so many great characters this episode. A lot of yep. and then the ending, of course. You know, I I love my me some Bo Katan story action, and we get a little bit at the very end with her conversation with the armor. Just not really much else you could ask for Star Wars. And then of course the huge action shots that we get were incredible. Mm-hmm. So honestly, yeah, I I still would put probably episode two above this one, but this one is close second. Like I again, I don't know what it was when I was watching, but I was like, fuck, this season particularly has just been so incredible. And they continue to fucking kill it. This should be a quicker podcast recording now that we're down a man, but we'll try and get as much as that juicy conversation in here as we can. For sure. And like you said, it did kind of feel like it was centered around the action and the strife with the pirates, but there was significant progression of the overarching narrative. I mean, our Mandalorians now have a new home. We got mm-hmm. confirmation on the Gideon stuff. Uh, we returned to Coruscant. I wasn't expecting to see Elia this quickly, but... Nope. Yeah, why don't we just start diving into it? We, <laughs> I mean, the first scene starts off so good. The recap is really highlighting yes. stuff on Navarro with Pirate King Gorian Shard. Mm-hmm. So I already knew what we were getting into. Also, the episode name is The Pirate. So <laughs> pretty on the nose there. But yeah, it's Grief just doing some city planning with his engineers. Oh, move the shipping ports over to the transportation center. Just ridiculous jargon that he's playing around with. And then, yeah, unrest in the town square. Gorian Shard is there. He hails him on the uh, whatever you want to call it, the face to face hollow communicator or whatever. Yeah, hologram. hologram. Yeah, there you go. Accurate. Hologram. Very Star Trek esque. <laughs> I, I personally like how they weren't afraid to just like start making it rain on Navarro with shots like it was the Avengers Endgame shots of like the, sure. the spaceships lining down. But I, I think it was great because sometimes in Star Wars, you know, you can have like these little like standoffs where it's like, okay, maybe the pirates are just going to float above the city, not really be a threat until maybe Grief Karga does something wrong or tries to intervene in some way. And then they start firing. But I just love that he was like, we're going to fight like you say you fired first or we fired first, but we're definitely going to fire first now. And the immediate just shooting down on the city did put it in this into realistic terms of okay this is a situation like this isn't something that's going to be like we're not going to be held captive here for like a week to determine Mm -hmm. we're going to get slaughtered it was like right now right in this moment they're firing shots at us and we need to defend ourselves and unfortunately navarro is a planet that does not quite have the resources to be able to defend themselves quite yet they heavily rely they used to heavily reply on the new republic but now that they are an independent city or planet they don't have any of that yeah, your classic damsel in distress, but, you mm-hmm. know, citywide. Um, personally, I think Grief might want to take a step back and stop city planning and maybe hire some yeah. muscle. Officially. <laughs> oh, but he well, now it's he, taken care yeah, of. Yeah, <laughs> he has the muscle. He had the muscle. He but knew it should have never came to this Grief. He only had like one ship. I mean, come on now. Yeah. Um, though I digress. I suppose he learned his lesson the hard way and then... Right when he hangs up the hologram, we get the nice dun dun. And I'll tell you what, <laughs> it's short, it's sweet, it's concise, and it's not your traditional like Game of Thrones long winded opening or yellow jackets, but it hits. That da dun makes me feel things, man, like no other show does. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, and this was this was one of those episodes where it just hit different, you know? Oh, it really did. I mean, looking back, like I'm just so glad. 
we were able to cover this show on the podcast because you know there were hesitations at the very beginning of when we wanted to start recording Mandalorian like uh like Star Wars is kind of on the decline a little bit do we really want to cover this show like yep. are we really feeling like we want to do this and this show continues to just make us love Star Wars even more even with all the shit that it's been going through with the new movies and everything like this show is so good like we have a comment like that like every other week oh we have just like thank you so much man (laughs) for like relighting the flame and this episode Uh, was definitely one that makes us just have to reiterate it over and over again absolutely so yeah after the opening title sequence we arrive at adelphi station which is a new republic just kind of pilots garrison it was very top gun there's like a military bar um, and we see a familiar face, New Republic, uh, Captain Carson Teva. Love this guy. Love mm-hmm. the actor. He's from a couple other things, actually. But I think it was just great casting. Um, and he currently represents, excuse me, represents one of the few competent New Republic officers. I think it's a running theme that the New Republic is in over its head with mm-hmm. essentially just administrating and general bureaucracy of running a galaxy so i love seeing carson teva again he's at the bar he gets the hologram from grief carta carva oh my gosh grief <laughs> carga i always have trouble with this guy's name it's an um, unconventional mm-hmm. they're all unconventional though yeah though i digress he gets the hologram it's very help me obi-wan kenobi you're my last hope and dave you definitely wouldn't have noticed but the alien amazing cgi uh that was one of the main characters from the star wars rebel series his name is uh zeb Uh, forget the whole name but affectionately known as zeb (laughs) for short Mm -hmm. um yeah iconic character the voice actor reprised his role um and they went hard on that cgi so i have a feeling he looked really good and i will say even though it's so weird that we're about to talk about just a character that only had maybe like 10 seconds of screen (laughs) time but honestly i did in that short interaction, like, you know, I could get a feel that, you know, even he's working for the New Republic. He's not like some dickhead. He does seems like he's willing to listen. Like, I know when Carson presented the message or he overheard the message, he was kind of like, ah, oh, that sucks. Like, not much can be done. It sounded like he did. He sounded like he would have helped. Granted, if it was different situations, yeah. but because of how the New Republic operates, you know, Navarro is an independent state. They don't really have jurisdiction there. It's going to be a long wait list, yada, yada, yada. But he, I was getting good vibes from him. And I actually, and when he did come on the screen, I was like, damn, love the blue. I love the blue jacket on him. He looked mm-hmm. like it was a sick character design for him. I loved it. Absolutely. Yeah, it was nice seeing him. Uh, it was definitely a tip of the cap to people who had seen that animated series before. But I think it's a sign of things to come. He'll definitely be a player in probably the Ahsoka series. Like and if him probably- and Carson come back together, like just, you know, fucking oh, up yeah. shit, like I'm all in for that. Absolutely. But I'm glad he made a good impression on you, even if you weren't looking for him to, you know, be a named drop character or anything like that. So, yeah, that leads Teva to say, all right, well, they can't deny my request if I show up on their doorstep. So Teva flies to Coruscant and yeah, absolute beast. But he is met with bureaucratic ineptitude, uh, incompetence, whatever you want to call it. Uh, This guy is all Captain or Colonel Tuttle, whatever. He is the actor Tim Meadows. I think he's an SNL alumni cast member, whatever. (laughs) Famous guy. (laughs) They've actually done that before, had uh, famous comedians just kind of play whatever roles. (laughs) He was good. He was definitely sold the bit of being an incompetent bureaucrat. Um, I think it was a little gimmicky that 
Elliot Kane just happened to be in the cubicle, like right at the corner as cat, like Captain Teva was going into that one building. Completely agree. In the entire course, but you know, she's completely agree. But I think she played it off really well because even though it was you know pure coincidence, just TV show luck that they you know she happened to see Carson walk by. But the way she comes into the room and is like, "Oh, do you want yep. anything?" Like she knows that Carson is probably there in in regards to something that she is a part of. Definitely, like we we've already made the the assumptions that she is definitely not on the New Republic side. She's definitely going to be a villain. So. For her to just come in and just like play it so simply, like, oh, do you need anything? And then she knew he would, Tuttle would ask her, oh, have you yeah. ever heard of Navarro? And that was her chance to be like completely shit on the planet. And I love the back and forth that her and Carson have. It's really amazing Absolutely. to see because even though she's like putting on this facade of, you know, I'm completely liberated and, you know, I'm totally on the New Republic side, I have angles of both parties. Which again, which I'm now thinking of does tie into the Bo-Katan <laughs> stuff too. Like there's been a lot of parallels in this show and I'm sure we've missed a few in the podcast with this being another one, but she was just, she's so smart. Like this was a, a scene for me that really like emphasized the the cunning and smartness and intelligence that she has. And, and she's, she's scary, man. I think she had, I, I, I don't think the, the conversation with Carson and Tuttle would have gone any differently had she not gone in there. But I think she really wanted to just defend the case that Navarro is just a lost cause. Like, it seems like she, in her mind, was like, okay, that is now going to be a base for Moff Gideon. If, like, they'd say fuck helping Navarro, like, that's Gideon's area now. So, and Teva even openly not knowing that Elia is connected to Moff Gideon, but he openly made the connection in this scene. Hey, I don't think it's an isolated pirate incident. I think there's something more at play. Like Navarro has been reporting stormtroopers, Moff Gideon's reportedly escape. I think it's all connected. And Elia wanted to completely shut that down. Mm -hmm. She does not want any of that business on the new Republic's radar. And also just subtly saying, well, I, I guess the larger narrative is that Navarro is an independent planet. So the new Republic, like, oh, we are so backlogged with requests from planets that have signed the charter. We got to take priority for them and we can't even get to them. You want us to help this independent planet Navarro that doesn't want to join the new Republic? Good luck. Um, and then she's like, you know, let's make them suffer so they understand why it's so important to mm-hmm. sign the treaty. And I love the detective work from here from Carson to identify the pin that was on her, yeah. her, uh, her uniform. And then for him to be like, oh, you were part of the group that was captured you weren't even like willingly converted to to the new Mm -hmm. republic you were captured and probably forced to do this so i'm worried of you and she shuts it down again with an intelligent response just being like yeah i was captured but now i'm liberated like i see the way and i think she played it off really well but carson's definitely got his eye on her now you know what i never thought i read it from the ringers uh article recapping this episode but the fact that the new republic is so swamped that they are even having this amnesty program and trying to reconvert formal former imperial officers that means that they are strapped for just bodies that yeah they're do desperate jobs. yeah very desperate i i didn't even make that connection so it's all just very good world building i think it's been like we get it. The new Republic is in over their head. I'm kind of waiting to find some more competent people in the new Republic because I know they're there. Um, I know there are some faces like higher up in the political spectrum that I hope we're going to meet at some point in the, the mm-hmm. Mandoverse, whether it's this show or another. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my only gripe with it. It's like, we get it. There's... I would agree. Like we got a lot of it, especially in what was it? The episode three uh, with like 
either way, it was just, you know, we have seen like we've got dedicated episodes to the whole like, you know, the New Republic is just mm-hmm. not what it used to be. So we are I think we're at the point where it's like, OK, let's just see how weak just they how weak they are. Let's get some Moff Gideon. Let's get some let's let's get some other adversaries in here <laughs> to to stir the pot a little bit, you know? Yep. Uh, so to end that scene, he finally just says, hey, I am a fisher excuse me, officially requesting backup and authority to intervene. And he's like, hey, our hands are tied. We can't give you the backup you're asking for. We quickly flashed to grief. It was evacuated the townspeople from the city, and they're just like roaming the desert, doing whatever they do. I don't know. They're kind of out of play at this point. And then we go back to Teva. Just these scenes of X-Wings like low Mm -hmm. gliding over like the landscape. It's just everything that I've always wanted since the first time I saw an X-Wing. And they are really just flexing their CGI chops to great effect. I was thinking the same thing. I I don't think there's anything better than just an Mm X-Wing fighter. It's just they look so clean. I love when they go into battle formation that you see the X. Oh, they're great. I love uh, his uniform was really popping for me. This episode, oh, yeah. just the orange jumpsuit and the blue helmet. It just all looks very crisp of the highest quality, which is what you expect from Star Wars at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so he is kind of a uh, raining on the Mandalorian's parade. He's like, oh, I'm spoiling the covert oh, whatever. Paz <laughs> is trying to muscle him. Din's like, all right, relax. Um, and he shows him the hologram. Push comes to shove. He's like, yeah, I get it. The New Republic isn't having my back on this. It's an independent planet. I know that grief is your boy. You're not going to let his operation suffer here at the hands of pirates. I know you. You're just not going to let it happen. I need you to help me on this. I, Dude, I think there were some incredible just like maybe not one liners, a little bit more than that, like just small speeches from characters like grief when he's talking to his people and, and even in the distress message, like the care, how far we've come to see grief like he genuinely he's not even looking to prosper Navarro for himself anymore. It is really genuinely about helping the people and helping them survive because he is a good person now. And I, so I love that for grief Carson here when he's like, look, Mando, like I get, I came here, I fucked up your shit. Like I could definitely spill the beans on everything. You know, I I won't, you can trust me on that, but I'm just here to tell you your friends in danger. And I know what you're going to do. Like I, that's all I came here to do. And yep. It, some great speeches we get another one from paz here in a second like yeah just a lot of the the commentary and uh script writing in this episode was phenomenal just a lot of you know mic drop moments for me he delivers them so well he's just like you can tell he's a good guy the second yeah. he starts speaking you can tell he wants the new republic to succeed i mean he gets it he can kind of bend the rules and stuff but he is a good guy I, and I'm glad you highlighted it. I love that line where he was just like, I know you're going to move anyway, but you have my word. I am not going to blow up your spot. I'm yeah, not Mando, telling anybody where it is. And Mando could have easily, you know, commented back saying, yeah, we're going to fucking move or like <laughs> he just silent to me was like, we're probably going to stay here until, you know, something happens, which it does. Sure. But Mando knows that he's a fucking good guy. Mm-hmm. Mando knows. Also, the way Teva found them, he served with our boy mm-hmm. R five in the rebellion. Yep. Oh, I'm yeah. starting to I'm starting <laughs> to come around on R five. <laughs> yeah, I'm, me too. Me too. <laughs> so yeah, like you said, we have a nice pass scene, but first it is Din addressing the covert and. It's been so long that I forgot that grief led the attack on the covert originally, flushing them out of Navarro. This is Dude. like such a full coming full circle so many like conclusions to character development it's 
Ah, this episode was really good. I love it. it. I love it. I love it. But Din's like, listen, I know none of you know this guy. And the ones that do, you know him because you fought him a couple years ago. He's a changed man. He offered me a plot of land. I think it's time for us to make our culture flourish and live in the light of day. We can't hide in the sewers and in these coverts anymore. It's time for us to kind of like make a stand here. Um, Brought up some great points. And then Paz kind of shits on them in the first. (laughs) He kind of shits on them in the first half. He's like, look, I was there that day when we fought Grief Karga. I watched brothers and sisters get slaughtered that day. You know, my hatred for the Imperial is, you know, greater than anything. But and I was like, no fucking way he's about to say but because I really was biting on the fact that he was just so going to shut I. down the idea yep. of them going at all. I thought it was just going to be Bo-Katan and uh, Mando going there. But no, he makes that 180. He's like, look, Mando fucking put his life on the line to save my son. Bo-Katan has been even though she we've fought in the past as well. She has been an outstanding addition to our group. Let's fucking help them out. Let's make Navarro ours. And I was literally like, let's fucking go. I was fucking hyped. Dude. This one got me hype it, for this whole thing to work. Paz had to come around and it would have been very Disney to just lamely write him as continue to be a thorn in their side. Yeah. But they didn't. And they had us in the first half of that speech. And then he said, <laughs> because we're Mandalorians, that's yeah. why we should just blindly lay down our lives. I was... My boy didn't save my son. Bo-Katan didn't give up on him when all of us had given up on him. Yep. I'm following these guys. I Love was legitimately speech. by myself like, let's fucking go. Let's fucking go right now. And it was oh, Paz definitely was hovering the border of like, dick, not a dick, where we at? He's the man. Love it. He's supporting our boys. I'm supporting him. Absolutely. So yeah, the Mandalorians are on board. That takes us to them on Bo-Katan's cruiser. Excuse me. Bo-Katan has just taken them through the plan. Mando's going to go distract the, uh, excuse me, Pirate King Gorian Shard's cruiser Mm -hmm. with the N1, get all the lesser fighters out of the way. And then Bo-Katan's going to drop the Mandalorians into the city and they're just going to take care of business. She emphasizes you're going to operate as a military force. You're not going to be going rogue like Mandalorians. You're going to do this by the books. And hey, last time we were here, we were hiding in the sewers. Now we're going to come back as liberators. They're going to see us as heroes. Essentially, this is our time. Seize the fucking moment. What a fucking another great speech, Mm -hmm. man. They're just left and right. Great speeches. This I was in the fucking pretending I was in that ship. I was like ready to run through a fucking wall for Bo-Katan right there. Oh, my God. And they fucking boy, did they fucking handle that shit. They come in executing people. They don't give a fuck. The shot of them all coming out of the ship was so hype. Just all the different suits finally getting to see them not get their asses handed to them by an over like a huge beast and actually seeing them being mandalorians god the fighting was just so amazing i loved and i love that disney wasn't afraid to you know see the brutality of them just coming in and like they could have easily done the whole you know i'll shoot them in the chest they fall over but like we get shots mm-hmm. of them like stomping on these people putting them putting guns to them gunpoint like head point blank and just blowing their brains out like that's yeah. pretty fucking dark for disney honestly in a star wars in a star wars show 
I mean, I was loving that scene with the armor taking out like, oh, and I love the turret up in the sniper's nest and she just like whips them with the tongs and the hammer. Oh, I'm, I I'm glad we got I'm glad we got some shots of the armor. I think we had talked about it, too, like maybe in episode one of this season. Like we hope to see the armor get into some action because we don't really know if she's capable of fighting or not. Ooh. Obviously, we should have assumed she was capable in fighting and she took care of business here for our, for Paz Vizsla and the, the others. Yeah, and in the air, we kind of have a fight within the fight. Manda, just whenever we see this end one, it it's amazing. It's so it, clean. It's like, and again, it's so over the top. He just like streamlines over the, uh, it's called the Corsair, is a uh, pirate king Gorian shard ship. So he just flies right over the Corsair, and it's like, shard is just like, oh, it's the Mandalorian. Yep. Like, I'm just getting so animated reliving <laughs> this. I had a smile on my face because it just captures the essence of Star Wars. And this, I think they've done a great job in this show overall, but this character specifically, Gorian Shard just did it for me, man. Mm. And like his command deck, like he literally had like a pirate wheel to steer his Corsair. Just everything about it was perfect. I was a big fan of Gorian Shard. All right, hey. <laughs> Yeah, RIP for him for sure. <laughs> Solid, you know, if we want to call it like a side quest villain, you know, I think he was a phenomenal villain. He definitely mm -hmm. brought a lot of pressure, especially with even just overtaking Navarro in the first place. I think that was just a big accomplishment in itself, even though Navarro had been maybe not the strongest of planets, but it still just emphasizes that Gorian Shard, he came in and he didn't even have to do anything to seize the city, really. Like his just the presence of his ship being over the city was enough for Grief Cargo to be like, okay, shit, like we're gonna yeah. about to be under siege. So rest in peace, uh so I was about to say Grief Carga, Dorian Shard, <laughs> but Gorian Shard, but yeah, the N1 man, when it's I think it's so clean. It's just so clean when it's making its uh, like when it turns and the way it shifts gears so easily. I've, I've, I'm definitely a big fan of the N1 now. Suckered me. Yep, and Mando takes care of all of the smaller fighters, except for this one guy who's been getting a lot of screen time for the pirates. Uh, I think his name is Bane. V-A-N-E. Yeah, um, he ditches out on Gorian Shard before he makes his last ditch effort. So Bane is still out there. I have a feeling he's going to retreat to either Moff Gideon or whatever the pirates are in cahoots with the yes. Empire. He's going to be where we get closure on that. Um, as much so. as I think Vane is a lame character, he will be the bridge. He is the main connection now of us finding out what is happening between the pirates and Moff Gideon, I think, now. So he sucks. Sucks that we're going to have to deal with him again. But I think his time is coming. He's the avatar, man. He's the Brit. Yeah, yeah he is the avatar. <laughs> no, quite the opposite. Vane sucks, but he does get away, lives to see another day. Uh, so, yeah, nice little loose end here. And then after the battle, we have Grief, who this is one of those speeches that all of these characters have been getting. I think he just really seizes the moment, acknowledges, hey, the Mandalorians bailed us out. They are no longer going to be sewer dwellers. They are our heroes. They have a home here. Uh, I just love the line. You may no longer have a home planet, but you now have a home. And that's yeah. the truth, man. They've been running, hiding forever. Now they have a little sweet piece of land to call their own. They can start establishing themselves and just repopulating. Yeah. And I love that, too. I'm cutting, jumping the gun just a few minutes here because it's going to be mm -hmm. the next scene. But the fact that the armor addresses that they do already have like a smith's, smithing station or whatever it is on Navarro because... It's just it's it's just a cool reminder that like this was once their home, you know, like 
they were kicked out again. That just seems to be the the trend for Mandalorians, unfortunately. But you know, they were once here, and this was their home at some point. That before they got kicked off, so this is kind of like the warm up battle before we take back Mandalore. You know, it's like okay, this was our home. Let's retake it, make ourselves well known again, and you know, then we'll move on to the big the big one of Mandalore. But just really cool. I completely agree. Grief Cargo just delivering a great speech makes me feel you know all warm and fuzzy inside he's just he's just so great and seeing the mandalorians also i think even though they're wearing masks you could tell that they did respect him as well because they could tell his words were probably you very genuine you could tell that his <laughs> words were genuine and they no longer i think have any they shouldn't have any beef with grief carga anymore they better not have any yeah. beef with them. yeah i feel like this is a pretty good deal for all sides your classic win 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 yeah, ex- situation exactly like grief cargan now has people to defend his planet when mm-hmm. the mandalorians have a home boom symbiotic relationship and again i want to emphasize the importance of navarro being an independent country because the mandalorians whole thing is they don't want to acknowledge right. a higher government whether right. it be empire new republic it doesn't matter they want to be them and they can do that on Navarro. I think yep. it's going to be great. Definitely. So, yeah, like you were alluding to, we get this scene in the forge where the armorer essentially says, I guess, validates her seeing the mythosaur, which we were iffy on last mm-hmm. episode or two episodes ago, what the armorer thought of her seeing the mythosaur. Um, she's all in, it seems. She thinks that is the sign of a new age. And it seems like an acknowledgement that Bo-Katan... You want to talk about bridges? She is yeah. the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, if you want to give the Avatar titles, yeah, of yeah, true I'm fine that. With that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, a lot to take in here because it's just. Well, I mean, I guess a lot and a little at the same time because it just doesn't help me determine who the fuck is going to be the ruler of Mandalore by the end of this. Like, I feel like it's got. I feel like Bo-Katan is just making so many great cases for herself right now, and yes the Mandalorian would also be a good fit, but his personality is just so much more independent. Like he really isn't a ruler, you know, I just can't see him take, although he gave a great speech in the, in the cave on the, uh, wherever they were at um, before Navarro, but what was the covert. planet? Yeah. Yeah. Just sorry. The covert. Yeah. The covert. Sorry. But it's, it's a lot of questions. I think Bo-Katan is just really rising in, in, in my rankings of, I think she's I think it's just going to be her. She's going to have the dark saber. I think by the end of this, I think she's going to be the one ruling Mandalore. And I think Mando obviously will have no quarrels with that because that's not a position that he is looking for himself. And even though we've had hints and maybe questions of whether he will be, I think it's becoming a little bit more clear now that Bogatan is next. She is the next one up and this is her time to shine, especially with the whole thing with the Mrs. Like the armor admitting to that, you know, last time we were debating on whether the armor believed her or not. Armor now seems to have sat on it, thought on it, realized, okay, Bogotan's probably telling the truth now. So just a lot, a lot to take in here. For sure. Yeah, I think it's the armor is starting to acknowledge, it seems, that she has to loosen her interpretation of the yeah. creed mm-hmm. to make it more not attractive, but accepting of kind of more flexible just mandalorians yeah there's just a lot of mandalorians out there that were like bo-katan when she was taking her helmet off there's probably a lot more like that than there are always keeping their helmets on and, and the armor is finally acknowledging okay if we want this new age of mandalore to work we have someone who saw the mythosaur like we have everything we need we just gotta get everybody together and i was reading online not 
I don't think everybody likes that the armor just kind of went back on the creed kind of the creed. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because the creed is pretty rigid. It, it isn't really up for interpretation, but I think it's a necessity. It's like, I get that, but I think what to me, like kind of shoots down the hatred of that side of things is that we saw like Mokotan saw the mythosaur. Like, I think now the armor realizes more than ever that she shouldn't she no longer like the old way of thinking is no longer the correct way because if someone yep. who was on their the the mandalorian's bad side you know the opposite side of the the traditional creed you know armor side if someone like that was able to see a mythosaur that weren't even perceived to be real in the first place like that for her should open up her mindset to okay maybe following the creed isn't the way because if someone who didn't follow the creed all their life is seeing the mythosaur you know what I mean? Like it's just I she's so. she's just opening up. She's just not as traditional anymore because of the yeah. events that are happening right now. And I think I get why people would be upset that oh she's always been you know follow the creed, follow the creed, and now she's not. But again, things are just changing so quickly for her. Like the Mandalore, Mandalore is no longer poisonous. Mythosaurs are real. Like shit's changing, and it's because of whether it's because of Bo Katan's per- like personality and destiny. Regardless, yeah. I think she's got to open up her mindset, and she has. Absolutely. And that kind of, to extrapolate that line of thinking to the Darksaber ownership, if you take the Creed's literal interpretation, Moff Gideon would have been ruler of Mandalore when he was wielding the Darksaber. It's right. like... That traditional way of thinking is going to get us killed if we keep thinking yeah, like that. The way of the Creed is... it. The things that are important are kind of the ideologies of honor and just... Mm-hmm you know, their general culture. I don't think it's as important that you leave your fucking helmet on 24 (laughs) seven all the time. It's like, do as best you can. If you slip up, you don't always have to go bathe in the water. You know, it's like they're just growing with the times kind of, I don't know, kind of like Christianity in real life. It's like, we let homosexuals get married now and no one bats an eye 50 years ago. Wasn't so accepting people. (laughs) Change is a good thing sometimes. And I think our Mandalorians are finally starting to come around to that. And I love it too. Yeah. I get that some people are upset if the armorer isn't as traditionalist as she once was, but fuck guys, this is the way this is the way. This is the way they say this is the way. way. Come on now. That was a good conversation. Actually. I'm glad we, we hashed that out. Bo-Katan is really checking a lot of the boxes, except She's for owner- literal ownership of the Darksaber, which Literally. I feel like if we're kind of starting to bend the rules, then I'm hoping we can get to a point where you don't have to beat the person in combat, but maybe the previous owner of the Darksaber gets to handpick who gets it next. You know, it'll be yeah. something like that. And 100% Din would give it up to Bo-Katan. I feel like that's Although just a I- fine way of thinking, too, because if someone who is, was you know dawn the dark saber they were obviously worthy in some way and so if someone worthy also picks someone worthy i feel like there's just there's there shouldn't be anything wrong with that you know it shouldn't just always be you know best this person it shouldn't just go to the strongest it has to go to a combination of someone who can fight as well as be like a a voice and see things with an open mind yep so the armorer and bokatan have their conversation in the forge Pretty powerful scene, Bo-Katan, take your helmet off. She's I, like, she was she was like, I just got back on the way. You're telling me to take the helmet I off. I thought this was a test. I thought I was gonna be so did I. I was gonna be pissed because I thought she was gonna say, take her helmet off. Bo-Katan was gonna take it off and her be like, ah, 
see, you're not following through with the creed. You took it off. And I was, I'm glad they didn't do that, but I was a little worried that when Bo-Katan took her helmet off, something was going to happen. The armor was just going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? It's that easy. Get your ass back in the living waters in the minds of Mandalore. Are you kidding me? Did we not just go over this? (laughs) No, but again, goes into the (laughs) non-traditional way of thinking that she is now willing. She allowed Bo-Katan to take her helmet off in front of her. Well, yeah, and then she marches her out to the covert, a very, you know, there is no mistaking. The armor is enabling this activity, and the exact quote is, Bo-Katan is going out to return other Mandalorians in exile to us so that we may join together once again. Bo-Katan walks both worlds. She can bring all tribes together. Paz was the one that was just like, oh, but she doesn't have her helmet on, and then when she says that, Paz quiets down, looks over at Din, who gives him a nod. Mandalorian silence equals acceptance. So they're all on board. <laughs> I think there's a silent acknowledgement that, okay, this this is the way. This is how it's <laughs> got to be. And then we leave the Mandalorians with a, it is time to retake Mandalore. <laughs> getting there. Slowly getting there. I can't wait. And they could have called the episode at that, but they did not. We have just an absolute nuke. Yeah, we knew it was, <laughs> we knew it was coming that Moff Gideon escaped. There's no way he was but, mind flayed. But, but the way how he escaped is now going to be the big mystery and question going forward. Yep. I the one thing I will say, we get that shot like it transitions to Carson's ship being in just like the dead of space, like not a so single thread of light. And I was like, dude, Carson is fucking dead here. And I was going to be so pissed. Yeah, I thought he was going to get blown out of the sky and that would be the end of the episode. But I'm glad he was safe. Um, safe. Very ominous. We It was evoking the same feelings for me. And again, this is just like, I don't know, an old timey sea movie like yeah a ship finding a derelict ship drifting in open waters you know very reminiscent of that but definitely so ominous just being in space too when it's just like absolutely no light is hitting that area at all Space is terrifying like absolutely terrifying it really felt like a scene like out of alien almost like i feel like i was watching you know alien right there but the big reveal was that you know we see the ship carson calls it in to whoever lets them know like oh we found a, a spaceship out here they kind of confirm that it was moff gideon's transport ship and uh carson has yep. his uh his droid kind of send a, a what do they call it recon droid recon droid yeah, yeah recon to go probe. investigate the ship we do see that the pilots were completely frozen as they would be in space mm-hmm. they're dead nothing nothing there but the ship it does the recon and we do see a little bit of best car stuck in the ship and they are led to believe that Mandalorians either rescued or captured Moff Gideon. And I don't know how to take this information at all. I, I don't know if you have any running theories right now. Well, that's what they want us to think. Mandalorians took mm-hmm. Moff Gideon. Seem fishy. Seem fishy. Well, that's where your head goes to when you see Beskar. We do know that the Empire was stockpiling Beskar. That was kind of the events of season one was that's how we got Beskar to make his armor was from the Empire. Also, that chick that fought Ahsoka had the Beskar spear. So the Empire has weapons of Beskar and supposedly the rumor going around is that we're going to see Moff Gideon in Beskar armor of his own this season. Oh, So I 
I my the theory I feel best about is that it is Mandalorians who are with the traditionalist Mandalorians, like not children of the watch, but a different covert. Maybe that's even more hardcore traditionalist Mandalorian. They hear, oh, my gosh, the armorer. She's starting to get soft on the way. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's get Moff Gideon in here. Consolidate some power for Mandalore. Um, like, I mean, you think he, they're going to be the one? Like they're going to support him as being the next ruler of Mandalore? Is what you're saying? This this faction of potential? Like to me? Like let me just squeeze mine in. Like I agree with you, except I think it's probably when you mentioned what you had said about you know uh, they're collecting their own best car. I think it's just going to be kind of like it's going to be stormtroop. Like it was probably like stormtroopers in best car that took Moff Gideon. Like, I don't think it was probably Mandalorians, but that would be an interesting take on it. If he built a side of his own Mandalorians to kind of fight Bo-Katan for the end up like ultimate rule of Mandalore. I think that would be an interesting take, but I just kind of took it as like, okay, it's at at first I thought it was, yes, just Mandalorians probably getting pissed at Moff Gideon. Like, okay, you're a fucking douche. Like they're not going to kill you. We're going to kill you. So we're just going to take them right from the new, uh, the new Republic or whatever. But then well, you kind of when that's you think the about thing it, though we didn't see his body so they're right. like this was an extraction this was not a termination operation termination right. operation okay <laughs> that rounds um, yeah. this can go a lot of ways I it really can I do think we are going to run into Mandalorian whenever Mandalorians start going soft and taking off their helmet and starting to say oh we got to be a little bit more flexible with the creed there are going to be Mandalorians that. Re- resist that change and i think it's very plausible that those mandalorians would look around and say uh the new republic probably doesn't want to be friends with us uh we need somebody to back us up they would fall into the remnants of the empire and if you save moff gideon he has a pretty giant iou so <laughs> yeah I, it, it it makes sense to me uh but again the empire does have mandalorian weapons so like you said it could have just been stormtroopers acting on behalf of Moff Gideon dressed in Beskar. Um, also, these cookie crumbs could lead us all the way back to our overarching big bad, who is going to be Grand Admiral Thrawn. I feel like this is where it's all heading at the end of the day, whether it's going to be this season or in the Ahsoka, who knows? But boy, this was such a great scene to end the episode on. So eerie. I love when the Mandalorian gets all dark and mysterious. It just the the vibes just fit so perfectly with the kind of character that Mando is. So yeah, a perfect cliffhanger to it, like a just a phenomenal episode that is just keeping me wanting more from this show. I know we kind of flew through that podcast. It was a quick one, but <laughs> I, I I I like I, again, even just talking about it on this podcast, this this episode really did feel like i was just in love with star wars all over again For like sure. this season has been absolutely crushing it like i'm not even hesitant to say that this is already my favorite season of mandalorian they've only been probably getting better and better like You're it was season have one. to rewatch season know, two man i know season two was great i'm saying that here's the thing season one and two know what the crazy thing is mm-hmm. the last like three or four episodes of those seasons were all the highest rated that's yeah. And significantly better. So if we're starting off this strong, I have very I, high hopes for the next. Three. I guess that's and, where my mind is at right now, is that yeah. if this season is already starting off like hot, hot, like there's no way this ending could Agreed. cool down at all. Agreed. Yeah. Anything else? I, I already said in the beginning, this is after this conversation. I think it is my favorite episode, although episode number two, two is really two. good. Yeah. 
How about you? Can, can you say it's your favorite? It's it's top. I'll <laughs> definitely say top three, like without a doubt. Like when I think of Mandalorian, I'm going to be thinking of episode two. This one of the shot of all the Mandalorians coming down. Like it's definitely without a doubt. Top three episodes for me. Wow. Of the whole series. Yeah, probably. Man. It's nah, uh, there Look, are some great ones. There's only two spots because Luke Skywalker episodes always number one. And then I think episode two and then this one, honestly, I think it's okay. like one, two, three. But I mean, we're going to have to put it all uh, on a piece of paper and yeah. go through the episodes and actually make this ranking. But OK, top three leaving, episode. And I think the ending. I mean, we got to save some room for the ending, <laughs> the finale, too. I know that's going to be a top three episode. Absolutely. So, yeah. Nothing yeah, no, me. it was a good episode. It was a good episode, and that is going to be a wrap on Bingetown TV's coverage of it. Uh, as always, if you like what you heard, give Bingetown TV a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Visit us on BingetownTV.com and subscribe to our show on Spotify, YouTube, the Apple Podcast app, or wherever else you may find your podcast. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thanks for listening. Boom, baby. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 